Kan Pai, everybody. Mm. Welcome to another Geeking Off podcast. Uh, coming a little bit late due to some vacation, and you know, life uh, life always seems to get in the way when you want to do stuff. Yeah, it's my life, but you know, I deal with it. I move on with life, you know. You just could do the best you can. That's all I can say. Computers, gaming, retro gear, devices, So how you doing today, Macro? Welcome to the show again. I am good. What are you drinking? It's Sawtooth. Sawtooth beer. It's, it's, it's a local brew from Missoula, I believe. I'm drinking Pepsi from 1893. Now, I guess it's the original formula or something. Oh, okay. I, unless they just uh, left it sitting some somewhere in the warehouse and saying, "Oh, well, we got to get rid of this, so we're going to market oh, this okay. in a weird it's way." It's definitely not aged. That that would that would just be terrible. I, that mean that would literally be drinking aluminum flakes. Oh yeah, you got a point there. So let's go ahead and get started on our first segment. And on our first segment, we're going to discuss about. You know, we, everyone's panicking. You know, is, is Ubuntu uh, the enemy to Linux? Are they the enemy? Are they, are they something we should worry about? Especially uh, now that Bash coming to Windows. I think it's already it's already on Windows, but it looks like uh, you know Canonical said, "Hey, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna do something different here. We're gonna allow Microsoft to have Bash, and because Windows needs Bash, because you know." Without it, it's it's not Windows. It's it's you know it's just a gaming platform, right? I don't even know what to call it. They first started out with Project Astoria. They wanted to integrate Android apps into Windows, and I think that was mostly because Windows Phone was a complete failed project. No one wanted to develop for it, so they thought, "Hey, we'll take a shortcut. We'll have a universal Windows platform between our desktops and our phones." and it'll run Android apps so people can't complain about an app shortage. That completely fell through. So now, uh, coming in the Windows update this summer, uh, you're going to have Ubuntu, the uh, command line core version. It, not with an X Windows system, but Git access, all the things you would typically do with a Linux terminal will be in Windows. And they say they're doing it for developers. That's that's what they're saying. It's not for the desktop user. But from what I understand, isn't there people out there trying to get this sucker to actually run X? I've heard some rumors out there that people are actually trying to do it now. I'm Why not? sure there are people trying to do that to maybe prove a point. But if anyone's actually trying to do that and actually use it that way, it's something practical. I I don't know if they're just trolling or if they're actually dead serious about that. that because I only really saw this being used by a giant niche just of sysadmins and developers who didn't want to dual boot or virtualize. I guess that's another situation. Is this just something, a virtualization inside of a, a container, or is this actually going into the Windows 10 code? They said it is running on a foundation of native Windows libraries. Interesting. That's what they, that's what they word for word said. I would 
guess that the kernel, they somehow managed to make it run alongside the NT kernel. And I guess the biggest question is here, do you feel a little betrayed by Canonical? Just a little bit? Does, does, this feel, does this feel wrong to you in any way? I was starting to look at the positives because I come from a sysadmin background. People weren't taking the PowerShell the way Microsoft wanted it to, so they brought this forward. Microsoft is coming out at developer conferences saying, we love Linux, but I think they're doing that as a matter of preservation because they are completely losing the server market. They are losing the desktop market because people are buying more mobile phones than they are laptops and desktops. And they're trying to use this to work with their new financial model, which is advertising, which advertising and spyware, which is potentially made Microsoft worse than they ever were. People are saying this isn't the same Microsoft. It isn't. No, it's not. It's worse. Do you think that this could possibly bring spyware and other type of malware into, say, like the Ubuntu project, where, you know, next thing you know, it's got the spyware problem that uh, Windows 10 has, and it's keeping an eye on you. I'd say that's unlikely, but the potential is there. A lot I mean, of security it, issues are are can be tied to market share, and true. while this could say artificially raise the market share for Linux, I don't think it's going to be targeted very much in that manner. I, I guess it depends on how big the check that Canonical gets from Microsoft on something like this. I mean, they're definitely working together, and uh, the enemies of yesteryear are now together, you know? It's it's definitely an interesting time. Definitely. It's kind of hard to know which side to be on. No, I agree. I agree. It's I know I'm the kind of person I came over to Linux to de-Microsoft my life, to get away from it, and... I guess for me, if I'm going to continue to stay like that, I'm going to have to stay with other operating systems like Arch Linux, you know, or Debian. I can, I, I still, I still in love with Ubuntu Mate. I, it's still one of my favorite releases. But I think that's definitely something I, I usually give out to uh, clients and install it on a, the TV computer, you know, stuff that I'm not really using as a daily driver myself. But it, it still helps people get started in Linux. Roy Roy loves it. He adores it, you know. So I go with that. I mean, I'm not... I guess at first I was a little upset, maybe a little over over the top, you know, and there just may or may not be a video on my channel of me flipping out at Canonical, calling them names and cussing them out, but yeah, it's just how, that, how it works, you know. You have to... The way I'm starting to look at it is Microsoft was starting to lose ground and... Ubuntu, the canonical of all pl- of all people, the people who are try been trying really hard to push desktop Linux in the mainstream, are working against that movement by helping Microsoft flourish. Well, they're definitely not going anywhere at the rate they're going. So, Microsoft definitely's got to jump on the game. I mean, they can't even make phones, you know. Well, they tried. You know, I have still yet to even play with the Windows Phone and don't plan to. You know, what's funny is I never even see them in the wild. It seems like to me, definitely uh, Apple has the smartphone market because every, coworkers, friends, that's that's all what they use. It's very rare I even see an Android phone. I'm one. Of, I'm an Android user. You know, 
I'm, it's a little different for me over here. I see mostly Android phones. I've seen a few Windows phones, but they went to Android about a year later. And Japan is a big iPhone place too. That's all you find, iPhone accessories everywhere. It, it's amazing how big it is over there. I wouldn't expect that at all. Yeah, I didn't see many uh, cheap Chinese Android phones or computers or laptops. They were mostly all Apple products. It's just, it's mind-blowing. There's, there's some Windows out there, some Acers, and I just have to say this. I finally got to try an Oculus Rift, and I was I was disappointed. And you are asking the question, is Linux really going anywhere? And uh, according to this link, it's uh, to Linus Traval still wants Linux to take over the desktop. You know, I'm, I'm with them on that. It's really just him looking back on saying it's he started this as a hobby and it's become so many things. He's not sure where he's going to go. He doesn't plan that far ahead, but he doesn't see it going anywhere. Mm. And, and that's the beauty of it. No matter what happens with Ubuntu, with with Microsoft involved, Linux will still be there in some way, shape or form. And the beauty of being open nature, we can always make it what we want it to be. That's mostly what this article covered to me. Linux has always kind of struggled to become number one on the desktop. I think it's 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 very possible. It's just I think a lot of people out there are just they, they stick to what they know. You know? They don't want to learn something new. Sometimes you just gotta switch it on them, you know? If, if people aren't willing to learn something new, why are so many people completely ditching Windows laptops and desktops and using entirely their phones? That is learning something new. Very true, but I think it's one of those things they don't know they're really doing it. They're just using something new. Admit, you know, grandmas can handle their tablets better than they can uh, a desktop PC. So maybe, maybe I guess for the power users is where the Linux desktop is going to continue to thrive versus, you know, the average Joe. They just they just want to use their phone. I think uh, one person, I uh, can't remember his name, I think it's AA Technologies, did a video where he wanted a netbook for school. And he's like, well, this is kind of slow. And I, I kind of threw him in the comments, have you ever thought of the idea of you know, getting a tablet, a USB, uh, not a USB, but a Bluetooth keyboard and mouse, you turn that thing into a netbook. I, I wouldn't worry about Linux capturing the desktop. Really, I don't want it to fully capture the desktop. I I would rather it. I sure I want it to be popular. I, I do want it to build a big uh, support community and all that. But because it isn't the big popular thing, I think is part of what it makes it so great. Because it's a bunch of tinkers, a bunch of people making it their own, a bunch of volunteers, no big corporations behind it is part of what makes it so great. Very true. The more the more bigger it gets, I guess. Of course, you got people like Canonical. They're going to jump in on this, and it's definitely going to change the game. They're 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 going towards the direction of their tablet OS, which I'm I'm kind of curious. I want to I want to play with it. I I, I just uh, haven't been able to get my hands on any of that stuff. But one day, one day, somebody out there, send me one, so I can just play with it. Yes, send him one. He may or may not give a good review. Th- th- that's a good point. Did I, did I, I, I can be pretty harsh. So, if all this Microsoft nonsense drives you nuts, we're here to talk about, you know, other alternatives you can go to if you want to get out of the uh, Ubuntu universe and get expand your, your Linux universe in your life. I noticed here, uh, of course, Arch Linux, I highly recommend it. You know, it's it's got a, a hard learning and installing curve, but there are 
derivatives of that, for example, like Monjoro. It's got an installer. You don't have to worry about going through a bunch of hoops. It, it'll help you get you started and running really good. Uh, so I could recommend that if you want to get into the art space and you've never done it before. And then there's, of course, good old Debian. Gotta love Debian. Well, that wraps up. Uh, if you're looking to switch to other distros, give some of those a try. And we're going to go ahead and move on to some gaming. And welcome to the gaming section. I actually right. I actually saw a steam machine at Walmart. Don't know if I'm ready to pick one. Yeah, I think it was an Alienware one. I'm still not ready to pick one of those up. I just don't have a see a point to it right now. I still say uh, your you know, PlayStation's still holding the market pretty well. Nintendo's a uh, pretty much I don't know if they're going to survive the next uh console release or not. We'll have to see. Cuz they're just they're slowly uh, disappearing. The only people are holding on to Nintendo's world is People who are just want to play some Zelda, you know, or some Mario. It's about all that's that's holding it right now. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna talk about a little bit of virtual reality here, seeing things that are uh, virtual in reality. Yeah, I kind of had some experience with that in Japan. I got uh, got my hands on one of those Oculus Rifts. I was uh, was a little disappointed. I put the headset on. And the biggest thing I noticed right off the bat was I can see the pixels and the little screens in there, and that drove my eyes nuts. It was just so close to my eyes, you could see every one of those pixels on the screen, and I'm like, it doesn't feel virtual reality when you can see those right up in your face. I was a little disappointed. In the demo I had, it was some um, uh, anime girl standing, and you can look at her, and this was in Japan. So you can look around her and look up her, and it was kind of, that part was uh, interesting. Uh, of course, I guess you, if you're a lonely Japanese guy, they got to make it for them. <laughs> it was definitely an interesting experience. My wife even tried it, and she put it down. Uh, Honey, I don't know what this, uh, no. <laughs> I'm like, why? You don't want to look at her? She's in virtual reality. <laughs> I've been thinking the last few days about what you could call the next stage of our human evolution. So, trigger warning. We may end up getting into ethical, philosophical matters about what it means to be human in this segment. Okay. What What are we going to do when uh, our human bodies are starting to fail us? Could we get a surgery, or could we, say, download our brain into an android and live the rest of our life out in a robotic body, in a surrogate so to speak. Headsets are preparing us for a fully immersed experience, a out-of-body experience, and it could be potentially giving us practice for that coming in the future, that we're not going to care to maintain our bodies so much that we will instead live in vastly superior robotic surrogates. Although, the, uh, when it comes to stuff like that, I question, am I really still alive? Or is it just a machine living it out as a soulless experience? That, that's that's definitely interesting. I can see it possible. So I, I, I guess if you're if we're going to be in surrogates in that kind of situation, what happens to things like sex, you know, and pleasure? And... Oh, man. Oh, God, have you seen Demolition Man? <laughs> <laughs> they no. put on the helmets and you call that sex? <laughs> and it makes, but... a, it makes a robot baby. So you have the randomly generated child. 
Oh, that could be that could be terrifying. If, you, if you've ever gone on any of the Elder Scrolls or Fallout games and just hit the random generator character, if that comes to real life, we're gonna have some pretty freaky babies. Remember, hey, re- more than we already have. Remember that game you said a whole new people of Walmart website just for generated Android babies. Remember that game you suggested last uh, last podcast. Did you hear now they randomly generate females and the females are butt ugly? I mean, butt ugly. Seriously. I did not know that. Yeah, and people were all up, up in arms over this because uh, it, some people don't want to be a female, but it's, it's, it's now randomly generated, you know? So the game's always been about that, but the character, you may get a very ugly, ugly, ugly woman. Yeah, yeah, Google uh, females in that game and you're going to be in for a treat. Right now, we are projecting a version of ourselves online. When you are playing a video game, you are doing the same thing. Surrogates could be the very next stage of that. People are always trying to experiment with themselves. People are starting to put in implants, say uh, RFID chips, magnets, so they can feel electricity flow. But I feel most people, especially with how many people are afraid of needles, aren't going to go for that. So they would just rather control a remote robot instead. You know, I, I, I could live in a Minecraft world for the rest of my universal life. That would be cool. Do you want to live in square graphics the rest of your life? Yeah, I, I, well, you could switch it up, you know, but it'd be interesting. You could actually live in that world versus you'd be a, a piece of code in a video game. You argue with your wife, and she tells you you're being such a square, and it's literal. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Artificial intelligence might be the next big thing it might actually become within our lifetime have artificial intelligence that surpasses our own i think i think it's possible i just don't know how well that's going to work i have i guess a tough time understanding that can a machine really have a free will or you know to think how you know is it going to stay to a certain line of uh behavior and won't step out of the, those behavior lines, ever. I have a feeling that if we design a brain on a robot to act like much like our own, there will be virtually no way for us to fully control it. And they've actually done experiments. They, I can't remember what the name of it. It was a, a type of worm. And they were able to completely recreate its whole nervous system, spinal column, on silicone. And they put it in a sort of robotic body with... Uh, sort of a head sensor not not really a camera but just like an antenna like the worm has and they gave it a motor a set of wheels and once they gave power to it this artificial worm ai it behaved in exactly the same fashion of the real organic one interesting so it could say make a decision saying hey i'm gonna go hack a million dollars from the the government steal a bunch of tax ids i don't know what would a infinitely growing robot really need with those resources it could i guess it could just take everything if it wanted to yeah i in that kind of end i don't know it's definitely not going to need money for resources it's going to require other type of resources to keep its species alive and it was part of the reason i wanted to bring this up there's always just the questions of yeah free will is there going to end up being a movement once these androids are out there walking among us equal rights for robots and it could very well happen and if that actually happens within our lifetime that will be both terrifying and fascinating to witness definitely it could it could influence our computers 
the development for say neural processors could definitely turn around some amazing results for our desktops well if you're an android you could be the server for your particular say your life your pictures your videos or whatever your android is going to do with it. it it could be part of a a greater network would be no need for servers because everyone would be it'd be like a peer-to-peer -peer android communication system i'd say the networking is already uh, already there you just have to modify a cell phone network and they just all communicate and plot together to destroy us skynet speaking of ai notice you were, you ran into that uh that nazi microsoft bot that shows you it, it can be a little confusing right yes microsoft tried to put a self-learning robot on twitter to act like a teenager and within 24 hours mostly thanks to the contributions of 4chan the thing became a neo-nazi and a donald trump supporter interesting huh <laughs> how the bot became a supportive of donald trump i wonder if that could be persuaded somehow apparently it, it just observes a lot of the comments people uh people who would say leave their at replies to it it would just study those and copy it and that seems to be the only kind of ai microsoft is capable of conjuring i, I get a kick out of one of these screenshots here's microsoft ai bot tay becomes racist within hours microsoft is personally trying to delete all the posts now <laughs> and the interesting thing is uh the google equivalent in china i think it's called meizu they did a similar robot. They've had it up for over a year, and it's never had problems like this. Leave it to Microsoft. So someone sends it a dick pic. Well, that's not human looking. It works, though, LOL. <laughs> Gotta love the internet. The first thing you're going to send an AI, here's a picture of my dick. And to make matters even worse, Microsoft did just that. They released a bot that makes comments on images. I think I saw one last night about the, I think it was a, a picture of Darth Vader and it says a man taking a selfie in, in, in a big city. And I'm sure at this point, the entire audience is thinking, no, macro, AI is not gonna happen in our lifetime. Not if Microsoft has anything to say about it. Look at this joke. Uh, if Microsoft's gonna succeed in anything, it just might be AI. Cause it's, I don't think many people are actually trying to work on it though. So. They will create if they could, the androids. If they could su succeed at anything, this thing could help write material for sitcom TV or Saturday Night Live, and it would be better than what's currently on there right now. I, I can agree to that. I Some of that stuff is just hilarious, hilarious stuff coming out of it. It, it can be a lot of things. Uh, we can think about digital assistants, Siri, Cortana, Google Now, or just anything we use our smartphones for. They have for better or worse, become extensions to our cognitive abilities. Let me ask you, Anthony, do you remember any phone numbers anymore? God, no. As a matter of fact, when people even ask me for my own phone number, I have to go into the settings of the of the phone to go look it up. We did. hardly remember anything. We will Google anything we really can't remember. Our phones will remember everything for us. So it's very practical that, say, these things get implanted in us to help us remember and pull up things whenever we need it. That's a good we point. We keep these phones by us every minute, every day. We hardly use our brains anymore. And I admit, I, I understand that because I know it's like, wow, I wish I had this device when I was a, a teenager. 
If I wanted to know something, I had to go do the research on it, memorize it, study it. Now it's like, oh, well, I don't really have to because if, if, I, hit a, if I hit a rough patch in whatever I'm doing, I'll just Google it. Type it in on the phone. Oh, oh, there you go. Before you go on a trip or do something, you research maps and you look where you're going. And now I'm in Japan. And I, I'm i not worried about even even the family. is like, you're not going to get lost. And I'm like, no. i got a cell phone with a GPS in it. I'm able to go anywhere I want to just because places I've never been before with no direction. I just say, okay, get me from here to there. Tells me how much. Tells me what train platform to get on at what time. I don't even need to know any Japanese to figure out their schedules they already have posted up there. Google did it all for me. You see, your phone is already turning you into a cyborg. Do you not always have it at your side when you leave your house? Yeah, it's always with me. And when I forget it or leave it at home, like if I come home for a lunch break and I leave that sucker at home, it sucks. <laughs> I feel so disconnected. I, yeah. I do, when it's gone or I forget it somewhere or it's broken or not working, it, I I notice it and I miss it. And I, I, I'll do whatever it takes to get it back. So in our lifetime, we may very well see computers as powerful as the human brain that runs tw at 20 watts, which is about as much power as a laptop battery of a good sized laptop battery. And at that point, we may very well have androids. And if we don't, we'll have extremely powerful phones in our hands, in our pockets, you name it. So there is something we can all benefit from this, even if it doesn't end up being killer robots. Sounds good to me. The future of gaming, the gamer, will be virtually alive. So that wraps up this segment. We're going to go ahead and move on to the next one now. And now it's time for a random segment. So let's go ahead and do something random. We got a few extra things we want to talk about here. Finally got back from that Japan trip, and it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed myself over there. Uh, this time, I kind of did things a little bit differently. This time, unlike last time, I didn't get dragged around by the family a lot like last time, so we pretty much were in control most of the time of what we were going to do and what we did. Uh, I, I, I kind of just explored random things and just whatever I could find and went to a YouTube gathering in Tokyo that was a lot of fun met uh, one of my fans one of my viewers I only met one but thank you for coming to see me it was really great to talk to you and of course meet other people too it's kind of nice because a lot of people are like what kind of videos do you do oh, well, I do tech videos on Linux and definitely got a lot of questions and people talking to me about Linux and I think I was able to convert a few people and let them, you know, get them to want to try it. So it was, it was really neat. I really enjoyed myself. There, right now, there is a little teaser vlog out there, teasing what we did. You know, I, I found some cat litter and went to some uh, golden temples and walked around a little bit. Didn't get too much, I guess you would say, otaku stuff in this particular trip. Uh, but there is going to be. A, I kind of like. It was like last time I went to, like the Akibano. I was focused more on the you know taku anime stuff. I this time I was I was interested in trying to find Linux in Japan. That failed. I searched long and hard and there was no Linux in Japan. There was more Apple 
Apple dominates the Japanese tech market. And it was saddening. Very little Android, even very little Windows. But I did run into a really cool uh, computer shop. Uh, I went upstairs and in this building, I'm like, well, I wonder what they sell. And they sold parts from very old computers to newer computers, screens for phones, parts for phones. It was like it was like a scrapyard of computer parts, and they were selling it on the cheap. I picked up some old RAM for 50 cents a piece. I'm like, they would have like a bin. It would be a huge bin just full of random memory or hard drives or just whatever you can imagine, laptop parts. It was it was really cool. I, I, won't, I want a store like that here you know, without having to go to garage sales or something like that. I, I had a lot of fun there. It's it's things like that. I mean, besides the well, being a lot of people there, if I lived there, oh, it's, it's just a Yodabashi camera makes a Best Buy look like a mom and pop store on the corner. I mean, you, you're talking floors and floors of just different tech items. That's where I found this mouse that I'm using here. I've been looking for a mouse of this style since Logitech had their TrackMan version that they discontinued, which is everyone's favorite. Um, still, track, TrackMan's still out there, but they're going for like four or five hundred dollars. It's ridiculous. And I searched for one, a model just like this on Amazon. Never did find one. And then I go into Yodabashi camera and I see this thing sitting there and I'm like, oh, somebody has made that style of mouse again. And it feels good. It feels good. Not available on Amazon, by the way. You got me really interested in the Yodabashi because I have a friend of mine who's in, uh, he went to, he was just in Hong Kong and he went to Japan yesterday and he left a Facebook post about Yodabashi saying, I've never seen a nine plus floor electronic store before. That sounds like heaven. Oh, it, it, it is heaven. It is. It's, when I get to the vlog, which I want to start up uploading those maybe, I'll, I want to try to see if I can do one of these a month, hopefully, between all the, the podcast and other stuff going on, especially in May. But the bottom floor of the Yodabashi camera, the basement section, was the PC build section. They had like aisles and aisles of just cases. And I saw the one that you were uh, you sent me a while back that that weird one where the power is on one side and the drives are on the other side and the motherboard's on the other side and I was like okay that's interesting I actually like it it's just a little bit too wider than I thought it was going to be because it's interesting to actually see some of these cases you browse online in a store and you can look at them turn them around see what they look like and then I go down the next aisle and it's nothing but motherboards after motherboards and. You turn down the next dial, and it's just all processors, and... That's what Fry's Electronics used to be here in the States. It's too bad that, uh, you know... I guess in America, we're definitely going more and more in the direction of <clears throat> Amazon and online ordering. Netflix and watching our content streaming, so we're not buying physical medium anymore. Did you know over in Japan, physical media is still a thing? Street because the internet's so bad. Yeah, that's another thing. Their internet is bad. You think for a country like that, oh, they have good internet? Well, you know, when you, I guess, I guess the reason is it's slower because when you have one main connection, say going into an apartment building with a thousand units in it, and they're all online at the same time, and that network, and they have got to be billions of people connecting at one time, it definitely clogs things up. It's 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 not the fastest internet in the world. It made me appreciate. My my crappy out of out in the middle of nowhere m 
you know, Montana internet. Over there was horrible. There was no... It was almost like speeds of DSL pretty much everywhere you go. A country more advanced than us in just about every respect except the one that counts. The internet. But like I said, I guess that's what happens when you clog the network up with that many people. They have exchange boxes and they go for like certain apartment buildings in an area. And it depends on the time of day. The, the speeds will can be 5 megabits download or five, 3 hours later it could be 100 megabits download. Just depends on how many people are connecting to that particular node uh, at the same time. I'm definitely guilty for the destruction of retail electronic stores in America. I remember the last time I was in a comp USA was maybe a decade ago, and there was a guy in line telling my dad and I, because my, my dad was helping me uh, pay for some parts, so I was building a new system, and he told us about Newegg. He's like, yeah, you save a ton of money. Free shipping, and I'd been buying from there ever since. Two years later, CompUSA gone. Yeah, even in a small town like this, we used to have like software shops, computer shops. You have a couple of them. Now, you can't find them anymore. At least here, they're they're all out of business. They're gone. Yeah, people like us probably stopped needing stores like that a long time ago but it was still nice to see that stuff around like it was pretty sad uh we lost our radio shack here two years ago and yeah, we lost ours about a year ago and that's what i like i do like to go in and look at the product I admit there's times when i shop on amazon or newegg it looks great on the page and then you get that and you're like what the hell did i just waste my money on it's, it, there's something about going in, seeing the product, looking at it, especially when I got to the sh the, the, the camera section of Yodobashi camera, where they actually had the cameras. Oh, I was in heaven. And it's really cool to sit there and play with the cameras, see their features, test them out. See, and here, when I every time I buy a camera, I, sometimes I get screwed and I don't like the camera. And I got to return it and try a different one because I can't just like go in the store and test this thing out and say oh right now that's what i'm looking for instead of trial and error well it's like the retail experience for us with a lot of electronics has been replaced with uh watching youtube videos reviews and doing research for like half a week as opposed to spending half an hour at a store very very true and sometimes you got to watch out for a lot of those reviewers because they're paid reviewers and they say something's great and awesome and then you get it and it is a piece of shit well, I'm going to go ahead and kind of wrap that up a little bit there before we kind of went on a tangent there about stores. But yeah, stay tuned. Japan Vlogs on their way. No 64-bit OS for the Raspberry Pi 3. And I am heated about this. Since I've gotten the Raspberry Pi 3, I have not been able... And that's the, the reason why there's a delay on its actual video because... When I want to make the video and I want to play with this thing, I want to take it to its full potential. I want to use it. It has it. But did you know a lot of the a lot of the people out there don't want uh, to do a 64-bit version of an OS for it because they're saying, well, the RAM's not enough. Well, okay, how do you know? Has anybody... Give it to us and let us play with it. That's what the device is for. Let us play with it. We're. I don't want to sit there and say, here... here a developer saying, I, oh, it's, it's only got one gig of RAM. It's not going to work. So we're not going to even waste our time on it. But we want to play. What's your thoughts on this? I've been reading the thoughts from the, the, what the CEO behind the Raspberry Pi project, Ben Upton, said about it. 
and they're considering it, but it would end up, at least for say Raspbian, end up being a large code rewrite. It could create really bad fragmentation. People wanted to, some people will want to develop for the 64-bit branch and some people will completely neglect the 32-bit branch. So people running the Pi version one and the version two could be left without support. And I think they're afraid of that happening and would rather prolong and delay that. Even, even on the Arch website, I got a kick out of what they're saying. They're saying the current installation uses the 32-bit Raspberry Pi 2 ARM7H root file system. This will be changing eventually to AARCH, you know, AARCH64 repository to take full advantage, full advantage of the ARM8 Cortex-A, 53 cores. If you uh, want the 64-bit uh, version of Arch, and, 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 and they just had to put this in there, consider the Odroid C. I want to I want to I want to experience this machine and I'm hoping Arch might be the first one to go for the 64-bit version. Only features you're going to be able to take advantage of is the Bluetooth and the wireless. Otherwise, you're still in reality, software-wise, you're still it's it's still a Raspberry Pi 2. And and so what's the point of having a device with capabilities and not being able to use those capabilities? I'm just someone out there Give us a 64-bit ISO. Let us play. Let us judge for ourselves. Because even if things don't work, we'll figure it out. We'll tinker. We'll make it work. I guess if uh, that fails, I guess we'll all go old droid. Which, you know what? You guys keep bugging me and bugging me and bugging me in that comment section about that thing. It'll be just like a, a, a series that I'm going to be doing. You bug me enough and I'll say, okay, okay, okay. There's a demand for it. I'll do it. So that might be on my next order list, and I might just have to scratch the Raspberry Pi uh, 3, put it in the closet, which is where it's sitting, until I get a 64-bit OS. Otherwise, I don't really see the point in playing with it. I'd rather just keep my twos in service because what? Yeah, what's the point? <clears throat> right now, my Raspberry Pi is a paperweight. Kind of recap uh, our live stream we had a couple days ago. Thought I'd give uh, Unity a try. I couldn't stand it for no more than about 20 to 30. I think it was about, about an hour. I did go back and watch it. it was, I put up with it for about an hour before I, I, I had enough and I wanted to switch over to Mate. And once I got out over to Mate, I got that sucker running on there, able to customize it. And I tortured the living hell out of that laptop. And it was just, it was running like a champ. I'm not sure I can forgive you for making it look like Windows XP in light of what we talked about earlier. Ah, uh, I, I still love it. Oh, for the background thingy? Why would they even include that in there? They probably did that just for the joke. Oh, I, I swear I saw you did the uh, the window borders, the same kind of blue color scheme and everything. It was more than just the wallpaper you did. You made it look a lot like XP. Oh, yeah, but uh, I'm a big fan of XP. I, I still, you know, my all-time favorite, just for looks, is the Windows 311 window borders. I still like that, that look. That was before Windows made their big change and switched their uh, environment. Maximize, minimize were a little, basically just arrows. I remember there was one on the left side, and it, and it was. Yeah. Do you I know? I don't know. I haven't played with that since I was maybe do six. You, do you know secretly? I can barely remember it. I just didn't like it. <laughs> secretly, it's still there. The one on the right is still there, except now they just put an icon to the. Uh, the app you're using but there's a little little uh easter egg there if you're an old windows 311 user if you remember in order to close an app you double clicked on the one on the the left and it would close the app because there was no close button 
you have to double click on that. That little Easter egg is still there in Windows 10. Next time you open an app, open that area where you see the little icon up there, double click on it. It'll close the program. Little Easter egg there from Windows 3.1 is still there to this day. Windows 3.11 piece of code has survived all those years and is still there. No, that was a fun live stream. A lot of feedback uh, from the chat. It, it was quite fun. The chat was, chat was really nice too. You guys were fun to talk to. It was great. It was great to play with Mate. Like I said earlier, it was great to play with the Gnome Tomb Peel again because it brought me back to high school. Back when I converted a, a friend over to Linux, we would just drag crap around all day. Just have a lot. Of, we actually had a lot of fun just spending hours dragging panels around and yeah seeing you torture that laptop was pretty great too guys watch that watch that live stream if you if you got a few hours to burn watch that live stream and if and if you want the mate part just skip the first hour so i'm gonna wrap up this segment and we're gonna move on to the feedback and welcome to the feedback section believe it or not that last episode we did, it didn't really start a fire up up anyone's butt. I was a little disappointed. So I don't really have any feedback. There was a few comments from people, but the, the subject matter was completely off from what the what the podcast was about. I'm just... If you're going to leave feedback, go ahead and leave feedback. You can leave it um, on, the, uh, on the video below in the comments. Keep it related to what we were talking about. You know, I, I I do like it when you guys do go off on other things, but keep it keep it related. Please leave a comment. Please, people commenting on them are just actually people I know. It'd be kind of cool to see you guys. I would like to get to know some of you guys. I noticed a lot of you came out during that live stream. I've never seen comments from you ever, ever, ever. So please interact with with the geeking off content. Leave some comments on there. Let me know you're there. Actually, there, there, there. I want some feedback. I want to know what you guys are thinking. You know, be cool. And that brings us to the poll from last episode. And I asked, is Linux safe? Is Linux a safe OS? 13 votes on yes and 4 votes on no. We can definitely say a lot of you agree that Linux is a safe OS. So that brings us to a question, I guess, for this week that we're going to have to change this poll to. Are you going to continue to support Canonical and use Ubuntu? Or are you going to leave and walk away and go for another distro. Do you believe that they're the traitors? So head over to anthrit.com. When we uh, get that posted up, I'll post that up when the podcast goes live. And you can go ahead and vote on there. So go ahead. And if you like it, there's still an e- I still have classic email address, feedback at geekingoffpodcast.com. So go ahead, hit me up there. If you don't want to, you know, leave a comment. And that brings us to the end of this Geeking Off podcast. I'd like to thank you all for uh, joining us today or whenever you watch it. Just thank you for joining us. It's, it's been great. Next episode, I don't know what it's going to be about, but I'm going to be working on it. And I have, may have a surprise. I may or may not have a surprise for you, but it's going to be interesting because I'd like to do a little section on fandoms and fan sites in the gaming community. And I, I'm, I'm trying to stay away from the drama that's here on YouTube. Even though I do kind of want to say say some things, I'm just going to hold off right now and stay away from it. Probably the safest thing to do. But go ahead and hit us up at anthrit.com. 
over there we still have a schedule that I'm trying to work out, figure out how I'm going to do it on the video schedule. Um, I'm, I'm still may plan in the future on just dumping this idea and just go with future video ideas and whenever I get them done, upload them and go. Because staying on schedule and trying to run on this schedule when your life is all over the place at the moment is really, really difficult. And believe it or not, it adds more stress and takes away from the fun of this hobby. So you can go over there, hit us up at afterword.com. You can also check us out at thegeekingoffpodcast.com. From there, you can subscribe to the RSS feed or join us on iTunes. Yes, yes, yes. If you're an Apple user, you can go ahead and do that. Yeah. Either way, you can download it, load it on your phone, your MP3 player or whatever, and uh, uh, listen to us while you're driving down to your commute to work or on a train, a bus, whatever. And last but not least, we have one of those Patreon pages. If you want to support us, go ahead, throw us a buck. I can take your money and I'll buy beer with it. Thanks for your support and beer. Yeah. So with that, I'm going to wrap this up here. Close it down. Take a good night. Anything you want to say, Macro, before we get out of here? Thank you very for, very much for watching, everybody. Please do leave a comment. We love feedback. We always need ideas for shows like this. We'd very much appreciate it. Don't have to be shy. We don't bite that hard. And we'll see you guys later. All right. This is Anthony from Mathware. And from this time and every time on, folks, keep on clicking. Anthony from Mathware, signing off. But it was, was the guy who voted no on is Linux safe because he didn't have an option for <laughs> potentially or maybe or some third option. <laughs> the potential's there. Okay, or yeah. if you if you worded it safer OS. Gotcha. The best distro for audio and video production. Switch over there. Come on. <clears throat> huh. Linux doesn't have any of the consumer-grade audio video editing software. Oh, wow. Actually, uh, I'm going to have to disagree with that article. Um, it does have a consumer-grade software. It's called Lightworks, and it is even used in Hollywood. So it, it's a very professional editor and used to make um, actual motion pictures. So I'm going to have to call BS right there. You can't go off of your first line and say that. Obviously, this person who wrote this didn't do their research. So I'm going to have to just, uh, yeah. Going to have to. My thoughts exactly. Yeah, wow. I can't believe they said that in the first line. When was this When was this written? I guess that should, uh, oh, 2015. Wow. February last year. So, wow, that's interesting. It does recommend uh, LXDE with, uh, you know, one of the studios like uh, AV Linux. I've played with it. It isn't that great. It's, yeah, yeah. I have recommended it to some people like, oh, I wanted a free uh, video software. It's like, well, give this a shot, AV Linux. And 
you know, just live boot it, edit a video if you want to, and then you can jump back on your Windows. Uh, hopefully, uh, even for the Windows users, I can start uh, suggesting OpenShot to them. But OpenShot is a project that has been so buggy and has been plagued for a very long time with issues. I don't know. It, I don't think it's going to go very far in the future unless somebody else takes over that project because Kadian Live is going way beyond it right now for a free version um, video editor. And then, like I said, there's still Lightworks if you want to pay for it. You want a commercial grade, but video production on Linux, I'm doing it. I've been doing it for about almost two years, running my channel off of Linux. So anybody saying that Linux can't produce, I'm sorry. I, I will disagree with you every time. I am an example of that for the last two years. I feel like this article's clickbaity. Same here. I'm I, I'm looking at it, especially how I'm I'm going through this article. I'm like, eh, I, I'm definitely I dis with, disagreeing with some of it. Yeah. Yeah, I was agreeing with about three quarters of it, and then reading the AV section, and then in this, like, no, this this isn't legit. And it's funded by the Linux Foundation. Go figure.